This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Great feel for every pitch. He's thrown every pitch in this inning that he has. He struck out the side. You can't do it any better. Good start, Snell and Rays up one after one in game six. You might be wondering, why are Mackey and Judd leading the show with just sort of a benign Blake Snell highlight? (laughs) Why wouldn't we? Reckless speculation. We're going to coin this Twins Tuesday going forward on the show. Now that we've now that we've given the Twins like a two month timeout, which was more my mandate, we're gonna we're gonna speculate today. Also, uh, our friend Randy in Cottage Grove is expected to provide his thoughts on the Vikings loss to the Cowboys, and uh, we'll wrap with Roycey too. But let's shout out Federated Mutual Insurance Company here for a moment and all the work that they've been doing to help business owners, not only during this pandemic year. Where we've now we've got new restrictions and it's just it, it's tough being a business owner in most businesses anyways in 2020. But they've been helping business owners for over a hundred years in Owatonna, Minnesota. They are one of us. They're on Twitter at Federated INS with fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics. And you can find out how they can help your business and give you peace of mind and give you trusted resources at FederatedInsurance.com. Remember at Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Trade talk. Juicy rumors. Uh... I, I feel like I have now given the twins enough time. Duck's got his twins hat on today. Yeah. Is that a coincidence? It, it, no. Did you grab it knowing grab it was it. Twins Tuesday? Exactly. Nice. You guys, I'm your, back in, baby. You guys and your roller coasters. No, they. She, Honest to God, she breaks my heart, and I just I keep coming back for more. Yeah, I, I mean, coming back for more. I wasn't really able to even look at the twins for like 30 days there mm-hmm. during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer twins text messages. I didn't answer twins phone calls. Yep. Twins leaves. Because Twins is a little older, the baseball crowd's older. Twins would leave voicemail sometimes. Yep. I'm not a voicemail guy. Sometimes a fax, even. I got a fax once or twice. You yeah. Don't want that. yeah. You don't want that. By 51, your disgust is high, and you just say, you know what? Bleep you. I'm going right back at you. All right. That's the thing. See, that's the great thing about aging. It gives you perspective <laughs> to just be irrationally mad, but still deal with the person. Well, also, I think the opening for Twins here is that. Vikings, our other good friend, and Timberwolves has become one of our new best friends. All the fun things they've been doing lately. Uh, as, as long as they're not playing, they're awesome. But like the NBA draft and NBA free agency has wound down. The, the Timberwolves now have a roster. We're gonna and we're and we're gonna talk. We've seen uh, a lot of great responses, not necessarily to like us, but just like the Timberwolves discussions that we've been having on our podcast and on our YouTube channel, youtubecom slash MN. So we'll keep talking Wolves. Do you know what the, the Wolves Vikings are? are? Kind of a buzzkill now. Do you know what the wolves are perfect for? The wolves are are the person that you love to talk to on the phone. But then once you see them, 
i.e. games, it's like, oh, oh, that's not so good. When the lighting's not I don't really, good. I'm not really enjoying this. I mean, so great I, personality. I love the off-the-court stuff. That's fun. So at bar close, you think it's great, and the next morning it's like, oh, my God, what did I do? Well, and then it's and then they're annoying in person, and then you're like, what? You chew with your mouth open? Yeah, the Timberwolves definitely chew with their mouth open. Yeah. You chew with definitely. your mouth. Really? They, they I took smack. You, they smack. Yeah. I took you to this nice restaurant, and yeah. you're like, nah, nah, nah. what What the oh, hell is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go back to talking on the phone. Let's talk trades. Let's talk about your trades. Let's talk about your signings. Let's talk about your reckless speculation. We'll just be but pen I, pals. Just be pen pals. I don't need to see. I don't need to see you in person ever again. <laughs> uh, the Vikings, man. The Vikings are just the ultimate tease, right? Like you know you. You stop thinking yeah. about them for a little while, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they want you to come over. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then they. Be fun weeks. And then we're they, describing Declan's life right now. They, just so then they know. rip your heart out. <laughs> you know what? Let's be fair. The Minnesota Twins, in my lifetime, have never ripped your heart out as a sports fan in this town. That's true. They, like the Vikings do. Like this year was frustrating. But, my God, it comes nowhere near 2009 or 98. The Twins telegraph it all the way, and then idiots like me and Declan, you don't get sucked in, but, like, idiots like me and Declan, oh, this is it. This is it. Yep, this is the year in which they're going to win a playoff series, and Judd's like, no, they're not. You guys are idiots. Uh, The Vikings, Vikings, like, they hook you in, and you legitimately think, oh, yeah. Oh, this 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 is is it. This is Brett Favre. Yeah. That's right. Gary Anderson. So. Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah. It's ordained. It's destined. Anyways, uh, we want to talk a little twins on Tuesdays on the show. We're going to we're gonna coin this Twins Tuesday now that we've sort of moved on from our 2020 troubles with this team. The new goal is not win a World Series. The new goal is win a playoff game. All right? So we have our when we talk Vikings on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd and, uh, and people sometimes get mad. Like, why are you guys rooting for them to lose? It's like, no, we're rooting for them to win a Super Bowl long term. And sometimes losing games in the short term, that ship has sailed for this year, but losing games in the short term helps accomplish the big picture goal of win a Super Bowl. For the Twins, I think, and I've been guilty of this, like win a World Series, right? Build the roster, win a World Series. The new goal for 2021 needs to be win a singular playoff game, period. I thought that was the goal going into the 2020 Playoffs. Well, though. no, but I think after the Yankees that was debacle, twenty nineteen, I think that we just thought win a playoff game, but then we thought, okay, it's got a good chance to happen. You're at home against an Astros team that, if I'm not mistaken, again was below five hundred during the course of the sixty game regular season, right? Right. But what I'm saying is, our discussions on this show, you're right, but our discussions on this show always lean toward like, what moves do you have to make oh, at the deadline to yeah. win a World Series to advance to this point, right? Sure, sure. And I'm saying from this point until they finally win a playoff I game. Gotcha, I our discussions, like when the trade deadline's approaching, our, our conversations cannot be, if you add this pitcher, will, will it increase your chances to win a World Series? No, the discussion you know has to be, won't? will this pitcher help you win a p- game two? Because he could be pitching a no-no <laughs> through five and Rocco will come get his butt off the mound. <laughs> so true. Hey, uh, sorry, sorry, we're going to bring Cody Stashak's all heated up in the bullpen. Listen, I know it's a perfect sorry. game, Burrios, but we're in the top of the sixth and I'm still letting you pitch. I, I can't do this anymore. And a random guy that we picked off waivers with a six ERA has been pitching well, and so we trust him against the Yankees now. So, any anyhow. Reckless speculation. All of this leads to the article we saw on MLB.com yesterday. 
I don't know when this was posted. Actually, it was posted yesterday. Mark Feinsand he used to cover the Yankees very closely, and uh, plugged in. And he's he's a now a national baseball insider for MLB.com, and he writes. A reigning Cy Young Award winner is currently available on the free agent market. But could another former winner be on the move via trade this winter? According to multiple sources, the Tampa Bay Rays have told other clubs they are open to the idea of trading Blake Snell, presenting a realistic possibility that a deal could be consummated this offseason. A source noted that Tampa Bay is not actively shopping Snell, who has three years and only $39 million left. He's 27 years old, and he makes an average of, like, what, $13 million or so the next three years. Uh, And that's part of a five-year, $50 million contract extension. But given the financial losses the Rays endured during the pandemic-impacted 2020 season, trading the 27-year-old represents the club's best chance to create some much-needed flexibility. Fresh off their second World Series appearance in franchise history. Dealing Snell would be a bold move for the Rays, but let me finish that sentence. They always trade their best players in their prime. Yep. So this is all just a hypothetical, but if the Rays are open to moving Blake Snell, and if it would most likely take, like, they're not just going to give him away. It would probably take Royce Lewis. You'd probably have to trade Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov. Especially with that contract. Mm-hmm. So, would you guys be open to trading Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov in a deal for one of the best starting pitchers in all the baseball who doesn't make very much money? Would I be willing to do it? Reckless speculation. Absolutely. I absolutely would because of what's left on that contract, which is three years, and it's relatively cheap. It's a great co- contract. Now, I did. Google, and I could not find confirmation, but this is where baseball stands in 2020. I Googled, has Blake Snell had Tommy John surgery yet? Because that's the one thing about all pitchers now that I think concerns you, and I could not find that he has. So, um, but all of that being said, if they if the Rays called, and I saw that, the, uh, that Seattle already has been tied to Blake Snell, but... If the Rays called me and said, uh, Royce Lewis, let's start with that, would I entertain the discussion? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so I could go, potentially, I could go, what, uh, Blake Snell, Maeda, Barrios? Dude. I mean, think about that. And, and now, think about how again, much they that... have to be left in more than five innings in a playoff game probably to win it. But, yeah. But think about... Blake Snell, Kenta Maeda, and Jose Barrios, and how that could help guide you to your ultimate goal of winning a playoff game. Could I use all three in game one? Yes, you could to if secure, you wanted to. To yes. secure the victory. Do you yes. treat game one like a game seven, and you roll out Blake Snell for five innings, even if it's a perfect game, Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, lock it down. And, and then and Scott Klingenbeck and, and don't even Scott show up in game two. <laughs> I go with Klingenbeck. Uh, but no, this is definitely... If the Rays, who, as you said, Phil, have a habit of shopping their top players, um, if they are going to come to me and ask me about uh, Lewis, Kirilov, I'd rather not trade probably, but yes. as That's, a, that's only because you saw him once, though. Yeah, but as a starting point for a discussion, yes, I would have that discussion, and um, I would take it seriously. What about you, Dex? 100%. If they want Kirilov or Lewis, I am all in on it. I, I, I do not hesitate. I pull the trigger. You're talking about a guy who's won the Cy Young. He's been one of the—he had a down year in 20, 2019, but he bounced right back in 2020. 
He is he'd be the number one starter on this team. And Kenta Maeda finished second in an abbreviated season for Cy Young voting. Mm-hmm. But he's automatically your ace. I would do it in a heartbeat. Even with Alex Kirloff coming up and having a nice little showing in a couple at bats, I know what I'm getting in Blake Snell. The lottery ticket is Kirloff and Lewis. I do it 100% eight days a week. I would also do it. It would cost you more than just those guys. Like you'd probably have to give up Kirloff and then like a top pitching prospect or something. Like you you would you'd be paying out the wazoo. Uh, I think if you could come away keeping one of those two guys, Royce Lewis or Alex Kirloff, and adding a number one starter to your rotation, I think it's a no-brainer. So I think you should at least pick up the phone and make and make the call. But traditionally, the Twins have always leaned on the side of, well, these lottery tickets could wind up being franchise players for five or ten years. And I think you know, this, is the, this is the hard part. I think in the case of Alex Kirloff and Royce Lewis, those guys are less lottery tickets in terms of like, they could be busts. I think those guys are going to be major league players for sure, like at minimum. And then the question is, is Royce Lewis going to be a perennial all-star and a Twins Hall of Famer and Alex Kirloff? But traditionally, the Twins have always looked at guys in that category, first-round picks and, and stud young prospects, Aaron Hicks and Jason Kubel and Jason Bartlett, all these guys that you've seen, right? And they have, they've looked at those players through the lens of what their peak potential is Instead of like them becoming good starting players that don't like Michael, like if, if, if Alex Kirloff was destined instead of being like Justin Morneau, Twins Hall of Fame caliber, and if he was destined to be Michael Kadire, you'd say you'd for sure trade Michael Kadire's career for three years of Blake Snell, right? Like, all due respect to Michael Kadire, like you can find guys like that. I think Kirloff and Royce Lewis are going to be better than Michael Kadire, but we don't know for sure. We know for sure that Blake Snell right now is one of the five best starting pitchers in all of baseball. And he would be, like Declan said, the number one pitcher in your rotation ahead of a guy that finished second in Cy Young Award voting and then ahead of the guy that we all view as maybe the one with the most potential and push in Jose Barrios. So yes. he, he's got three years left on his contract, which would be enticing. I think the question that the Twins would probably have to answer internally too. And I know what my answer personally would be, which is where are you right now? Because the expectation would be you'd get Blake Snell for three years and then he goes to the Yankees or Dodgers or a team like that. That's okay. But but with where this team is should be at, I'll rephrase, with where this team should think it's at, this is the type of trade, this is the time to make this type of trade. Um, and I, al- I also think that you have to, so in looking back, at the first round loss to the Yankees in 2019 and then the Astros in the debacle um, this fall, I think you also need to examine how you've approached the playoffs as a whole because the reality is there is no way that in those two years that you should be 0-5 at this point. Like, there's no way. So I think to just say, well, we're not there yet would be a mistake. So if you could add a top-of-the-line starting pitcher – and then have three starting pitchers that you really, really trust with Donaldson at third base and with the makeup of your team currently, I think that you should put yourself in as good a position now to make a run. And I really do believe that if you look at this team's lack of playoff success, it does not just come from its players. That has to be included as well, Phil. But it also comes from how the game's have been approached, and so your approach as a franchise should not be, well, we've lost five consecutive playoff games in the last two years, and what, 18 or 17 or some godforsaken 
amount of games overall. I think what the re, the reality of the situation and the conversation has to be, which is how do we position ourselves as good as possible to make the runs that we actually should be making? Yeah, and which and, is to win a playoff game and then go from there. I think a lot of people might say, "Well, you guys, the biggest problem for the Twins in the playoffs has not been starting pitching. It's it has been a problem at some points throughout the years. Last year, their two starting pitchers were great in those two games against the Astros, and it was the lineup that continues to to sputter. and And that's correct. If you go back the last like fifteen playoff losses for the Twins, they haven't scored more than four runs in a game. So their lineup has been the bigger problem. Yep. Lack of an ace in some of these series when you're going up against the Yankees and it's like they're running out CC Sabathia and you're running out Carl Pavano. All right. <laughs> and then they're running out Andy Pettit, playoff legend, and you're running out like broken down Francisco Liriano, okay, or Scott Baker or something, or Brian Dunsing at Yankee Stadium or um, Randy Dobnak at Yankee Stadium. Like you can make an argument on both sides. What I would say is if you can load up your starting rotation – and then hope that your lineup wakes up. I don't think like adding another bat is going to be the solution. They had a ton of bats, even without Josh Donaldson. They have bats in that lineup. Nelson Cruz, Max Kepler, like Jorge Polanco, they need to just perform at their at their capable level. And I think I think if you could trade one of those two young prospects in a deal for one of the best starting pitchers, like they should at the very least pick up the phone. Can I give you a very reckless Reckless speculation. Please do. So Tampa Bay is obviously always looking to shed salary, right? So Blake Snell, he is on the books next season for 11 and then 13 and then 16 million respectively over the next three seasons. Well, if I'm Tampa, I'm also looking to shed even more salary. So what if I included Blake Snell and Kevin Kiermeyer? Wow. Kiermeyer, who's honestly, he's got, he's going to make some serious dough. He's going to make 11, 12 and 13 million also in the next three seasons. So essentially, Tampa Bay would be clearing out about $25 million in guaranteed money. And the good news is he only plays about half the season, too. So right. if you could match up where he's injured and Bucks, and they could combine for a full at season. At different times. be great. So what if you traded for Blake Snell and Kevin Kiermeyer? you give them back Byron Buxton wow. and your top pitching prospect in Johan Duran or Jordan Bozlovich. Bezla- I can never pronounce this guy's last Bal- name. I think it's Balazovich. 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 For... For Snell and Kiermaier? Yeah. Essentially, you are swapping you're not gonna, center fielders. Yeah, you're not going to take on Kiermaier's salary. I think part of this problem is the Twins are also looking to shed salary. Yeah, that's exactly right. And any move involving adding like $15 million even, which is what you're adding, you know, average annual value with mm-hmm. Blake Snell, you're probably saying goodbye to Nelson Cruz. That, that's a real possibility. Um, I, if you were going to say, this is what I thought you were going to say, Kiermaier... And Snell yep. for prospects, and then the and then the Twins have to get rid of like Eddie Rosario's salary, and they get to keep Buxton. I'd rather keep Buxton, put Kiermaier in the corner outfield spot that Eddie Rosario oh. will not be occupying, and run out the best outfield defense in baseball, till, and run out till the they best collide, till they collide <laughs> and <laughs> suffer <laughs> dueling it's concussions, so and they're lost for six weeks. It's so true. Uh, and how about this too? If you're gonna be as uh, reckless as we're being right now, how about you throw in Miguel Sano and get his salary oh off the books as oh well? Because it's not reckless speculation. Uh, now we've jumped the shark. His salary's not huge, but it's enough that I wouldn't mind. It's like ten million getting a year rid now, of it. Though, exactly right. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't. I would not mind getting rid of his salary. And here's the thing: if you keep Kirilov, as I think I broached the subject last week, Kirilov could move to first base. 
So you've got Kirloff at first base at almost no salary, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sano in Tampa. Because the, the trade, oh, the, the trade that I gave you last week from Shooter at the Pioneer Press was Max Meyer coming to the Twins, Sano going to the, to the Marlins. I love that idea, and the Mar- if I am not mistaken, the Marlins are the worst power hitting team in baseball. They, they need power desperately. So if if the if the Marlins are interested, like hey, Miguel Sano has flaws, but we just need power hitters, Correct. and they're willing to give up not Max Meyer just because he's a gopher, but Max Meyer because he's one of the best young arms. Slider, in all of right? Big time slider, I believe. Big slider and they love the slider. Love the slider. Yeah, everybody loves the slider, dude. If you could come out of this off season unloading Sano. It'd be nice if you could get something for Rosario, but I don't know. It's hard to justify just cutting a guy loose that drives in 100 runs. And I feel like you're not going to. That they're going to keep him? No, no, no. I feel like he's not going to come back, and I feel like they're not going to get a thing for him. You think they're going to just I think they're going to non-tender him, yes. Yeah, that's tough because that would that's just, really just tough. be a pure money play. Yep. So if you're going to – I think if you're going to do that, to me, it can't just be like, oh, we're shedding money, sorry – it's got to be we're shedding this money so that we can make room for some of this money over here, even if the overall payroll comes down. So, like, the Blake Snell phone call has to be made. Any phone call involving any team that wants to trade for Miguel Sano has to be made. Uh, those are probably the two things I'm most focused on. Should Sano be being shopped right now? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. I don't think there's really anyone on the active roster that's untouchable. And the fact that Sano has no position flexibility, like at least with well, Kirloff, he can he can play first base, DH, corner outfield. Yep. Sano, two years ago, you would have said, well, he can play. He played right field once. He played third base. He came up as a shortstop, but he can only really play first base and DH. You can't put him at third base anymore. I guess my question is, who should they actively be picking up the phone and shopping? Because I think Dex is right. You, if teams call about players, you certainly take the calls. But who should you be actively trying to talk to teams about? Sano, for sure. Rosario, you have to be, absolutely. Those are the two main guys. The problem with Sano is, like, other teams aren't that stupid. Right. You're not gonna, it's not like you're not going to get a haul from Miguel Sano. And that idea that Shooter threw out, I honestly think if you were to pull that off, it would be a heist. Yeah. If you were to get, like, a live young arm and another piece mm-hmm. for a guy that Really, it, like people laughed when I said this last year. Miguel Sano is one of the most replaceable guys you're going to find. A guy who can hit some home runs once in a while, who can DH, maybe play some first base, but strikes out, doesn't hit for average, doesn't get on base. I will say this. If you put him in Tropicana, it'd be fun to watch. He hit some bombs. Because <laughs> he did the catwalk? Or? Yeah, yeah, because he hit some absolute bombs. Yeah. I mean, that that's it. That's Yeah, I guess. I mean, he'd strike out a ton, and he would hit... Bombs that w- would hit the catwalk that would probably f- hit the hit the roof in, in that stadium sure. in the outfield. Maybe but that, yeah. is that your selling pitch? Listen, hey, Rays, great season last year, Mash, man. So we want Blake Snell, and uh, we'll give you one of our top prospects and Miguel Sano. To mash. Who, think about the butts in the seats if you promote which catwalk will he hit today? Yeah, as soon as so much as soon fun. as the pandemic is done, you will put thousands <laughs> of fans, hundreds of fans in those seats. <laughs> So we're, uh, we'll we'll keep the Twins discussions going on Tuesday. I'm glad you guys are back now. I was wondering when you guys were going to come back. Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker. I get sucked back in. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a mistake that we keep keep making here. But the, remember the goal. Remember the goal. The goal is win a playoff game. No, none of this World Series discussion. Win a playoff game, Judd Zolgad. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. So we'll keep the reckless, reckless speculation. Um. 
we will wrap with Royce later on. We can throw some of his, some of these ideas by him. But uh, let's jump in. We got our friend here, Jay Williams from ESPN. You can find him every morning on Score North Radio here in the Twin Cities uh, with Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin is the show. And Jay, the Minnesota Timberwolves have done a lot of things over the last week, and we want all of the takes from you. All of the takes. Well, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start with the first pick? Do you, let me ask you guys a question. Do you like what you think you're getting in Anthony Edwards to start this whole thing off? I'll, I'll answer first because I okay. think I've been the most like obsessed with the Timberwolves moves and whatnot. I think if you had to pick number one overall, if you if you and they were working trades and they were trying to see if they could trade down, you know, and maybe get another asset or something. But if they felt like, hey, we're just going to keep the number one pick. I think it was sort of process of elimination. If Wiseman didn't want to give him a workout, didn't want to give him medicals, and didn't really want to play next to Cat, all right, you want to draft a guy that's not super committed to you, maybe he's out. Uh, LaMelo, and you can tell me if, I mean, you know 100,000 times more about this than I do, but LaMelo kind of feels like Diet Ricky Rubio with a flashier brand, more Instagram (laughs) followers, and a pain-in-the-ass dad. And they traded for Rubio anyways, so... Um, and so go with the wing player that maybe you have to mold his shot selection and get him to play some better defense. Um, I think I think it was the right pick staying at number one. That's my take. What do you think? I, I agree with you. It, it was the right pick. Um, I don't know if there was a world in which Lamella Ball and D'Lo could have existed together, right, first and foremost. So it was, you know, either you take James Wiseman, that doesn't work out with Cat. You take LaMelo, that doesn't really work out with D'Lo. But Anthony Edwards gives you that dynamic wing that potentially you wished Andrew Wiggins would have became earlier, right? Uh, and been aggressive. You know, Andrew Wiggins started to play really well towards the latter part of his career there in Minnesota. So I, I like Anthony Edwards a ton. I think one of the things that worried me about Anthony Edwards is obviously due to his history of – you know, losing both his mom, his grandmother, uh, a lot of people questioning whether he loves the game of basketball. I thought that was a decision by Gerson Rosas. Is, you know, that, that's, that's an interesting one because you don't want to fall back into the same trap of what you have with Wiggins, right? Somebody who's super talented, but do they really love the game? Like, are you really thinking you're getting with the first pick in the draft a guy that's going to become a superstar? I actually think he can do it. I just think that the, the interesting part here is, you know, you need an alpha veteran to lead those guys. And I think that's, you know, who is going to be that player? Somebody that says, hey, Carl, hey, D'Lo, hey, Anthony, I know you guys are our future leaders. I know you are our leaders, but you, there needs to be somebody that can help them mold and get them all on the same page because I like the talent. But you're also in the Western Conference that is absolutely loaded, and you need somebody to help mold that talent and help that talent grow in unison together. And I think that's going to be an interesting challenge for a franchise that has the potential to really be dominant in the Western Conference for years to come. Who do you think does that then, Jay Will? That's a, that's a great question. I, I, don't, I don't know who does. I mean, Ricky can do that to a certain extent. Uh, I, you know, I don't know who exactly the player is that those guys all will respect at the end of the day to just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be that guy. You have, a, you have a team of a lot of young guys. And, and that, that was the question that we were having on draft night. I'm like, you know, I, 
you know, could Malik Beasley? I, I, I'm not 100% sure who that person is. I don't think that person is currently on the roster. Yeah, the, and the Malik Beasley one. So that's a four-year, $60 million extension going through legal problems right now. But the the, exactly. sa- the sampling we saw, like if, if he doesn't have to step in and be a leader, if he can just sort of step in and be a a, a guy who you know bombs threes and whatnot, um, he, he's tantalizing because the biggest problem with this franchise's history is that they don't have shooters. You know, we're in, we're in this modern NBA the last six or seven years, and the Timberwolves, up, up until Gerson Rosas... And Ryan Saunders last year finally said, even if we don't have shooters, we're going to shoot threes and we're going to at least cultivate the system. And we're going to put red X's on our practice court where uh, where the long two spots are. So they've got a system that that uh, facilitates three-point shooters, but they just didn't have shooters last year until Malik Beasley and Hernan Gomez came along. So I think the hope is that, that Towns can step into more of a leadership role than he has, uh, that, that trading for Ed Davis, who people laud behind the scenes – can be a leader that Rubio can be a leader, and maybe maybe some of the framework of system and a couple of guys like Ed Davis and Rubio can empower Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo to take the steps forward that they need to to set that culture. That's also very pie in the sky for a guy that's watched this. But you love the team be mostly loves, terrible for thirty lo- years. He loves the Wolves. That, that's the problem, <laughs> poor guy. No, I no, and I, I look. I, I hear you guys, but the, the only problem is like you're. Look, we're, we're all going to be very frank here, okay? Like, look at. Some of the move, like getting CP3 to Phoenix was a big move for that franchise. Like, look at what Portland has been able to do with some of the pieces they've been able to secure. Like signing back Rodney Hood, even him coming off that Achilles injury, getting Derek Jones. Like, uh, you know, getting they provided depth in their front court as well. Like, they teams are making moves, and all I'm saying is, again, I I look, I love Minnesota too. Like, it was one of my favorite teams to watch a couple years ago, and. You know, now to sit here and say, okay, well, we're going to provide that. Like, that's going to come from Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis. I just don't know about that, how I feel about that ultimately. The way you, you, know, the, I, the way you put it there, you're 100% right. Like, listen, you know I'm, I mean? I'm like, sitting over here and I'm like, dude, Ed Davis is the key to unlock all of this. And you're like, no. He's going he's gonna to be the guy that really helps mold our franchise for years to come. I'm like, you're not going to get that with Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis. You no, know, Mac, I, I don't love you guys. It's not going to happen. Tonight we retire Ed Davis's number to the Rafters of Target Center after an unbelievable career as a leader. I think we retire it even beforehand. We know he's oh, going to be God. such a great leader that oh, his numbers going how, up in the I love rabbit. how you put that. Oh, I goodness. love how you put that. Hey, hey buddy, hey, you had me for a second, though. I was like, yeah, maybe. No, 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 wait, <laughs> no, 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 no way. Jay Will, I got a question, and I'm old here, so th- this is this might sound like get off my lawn stuff, but. Um, I love these comments, yes. But, I, but I've got a question for you as a guy who played the game professionally at, at one point in time, and now we're in 2020. Uh, when we get into the whole conversation about um, player X does not love the sport, he's really good, but he doesn't love the sport and stuff, how many current players do you think truly love the sport? And how difficult do you think that that is when you sit down with the kid to decide? Because it just seems like with all the distractions today and all of the different ways that people are going in life and our attention spans are zero, uh, <laughs> that seems to me that it would be more difficult now than ever to decide about, you know what, this kid's not only good, but he actually loves what he does. That, that's a... Uh... You know, we get into this conversation a lot uh, with all like Jay Rose and Paul Pierce. I'm like, hey, man, like just because guys are drafted, and this is coming surely from an objective perspective, somebody that 
you know, sees talent from, you know, I pay attention to a ton of high school basketball because I can actually make an argument that high school basketball has become bigger than college basketball due to how we consume media. You know, no longer are people saying, oh, t- unless they have a star player like Zion, right? Like that's box office. I'm going to dedicate my Saturday night at 7 o'clock to watch, you know, this Team X play, right? Like we're always on our phones. And now you have high school kids that are coming up with, all these different highlights videos, and it's like, oh, that got 5 million clicks, and that got 10 million clicks, and, you know, this, have you seen this kid coming to high school, and, you know, all these different athletes, so I think it's just because guys now are first, second, third, fourth pick in the, in the draft doesn't mean that they're going to be franchise players. I think we need to, you know, reset our expectations on guys and where to get drafted, right? Like, not everybody's going to be a Joe Burrow. Not everybody's going to be in a, I mean, Look, look at Baker Mayfield, prime example, being a top pick in the draft. Like, but, like, you know, we can no longer say these guys are going to be saviors of our franchises. I give you, you know, examples of different sports just to kind of prove that point. And, and now I think it's something that's really interesting to me because with where we are with media, with how we value what success is, do you actually have a thorough love and passion to be the best at your damn sport every day? Like, every day? Like, for me – my rookie year was a battle because my rookie year we played a style that I never played before. We were in the triangle, and the triangle was built for wings or centers. Think about historically teams that have won championships in the triangle. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, okay? Now, I, but I'm, I'm used to, so the style is changing, but I'm also used to competing. Every day I'm battling Jamal Crawford for who's going to start. Like, I wanted to win more than anything at that. Whereas now I feel like kids are like, well, you know, I, I'm getting the fame. I'm getting all this extra stuff. You know, I, I, it's so much harder to navigate whether you see if somebody actually has that next tier drive to want to dig into the trenches and continue to fight or if they're more, I guess, heightened by the fact that they're going to get a lot of this intention or this fame that comes along with being a high draft pick. The other thing it's way that, more challenging now than ever before. And the other thing that's so much different is like most of the guys that are being drafted, especially this year, are either a certain percentage of are, are coming from Europe and then a, and then another huge percentage of them are 19 years old because they're one and done guys or maybe they're maybe they're two and done guys. And I just I just pulled up your draft in 2002 it's like, yeah, Yao Ming was Yao Ming was overseas guy coming over, but like most of the college players that were drafted in the top ten, if not all of them, spent like two, three, or four years in college. So you you, you were getting more molded, uh, projectable talent probably with you coming out of Duke. Uh, Mike Dunleavy, what did he spend two or three years at Duke? Drew Gooden at Kansas. Like these guys weren't these guys were like twenty one year old men when they came into the NBA, and were probably just easier to project than nineteen year old Lamelo Ball who in the middle of high school went overseas and like there's some grainy footage of him in the Australian pro league and you're, everyone's on YouTube. Like, all right, I guess we'll just draft him. See what happens. Right. Here's the only thing I, that I, I would, I would play devil's advocate on, on, on him because I know he come, it's like a shiny bright object, right? Because of everything that his dad's been able to do, it, it creating the hype, the hysteria, you know, obviously, Lonzo playing with the Lakers and getting traded to the Pelicans and, and now being a serviceable guard, not a star. Leangelo really not panning out. I think he's playing in the G League currently. But, the, you know, I got a chance. I, I did, um, like, an episode that we posted on ESPN's YouTube page, like, five years ago with a, with a rapper named Little Dicky. 
um, who now has a show on, on Fox. And Little Dicky loves basketball. Every time I was in L.A. visiting my friend Scooter Brown, who manages him, he was always like, Jake, come on, play in my Jewish league. Come in my Jewish league. It was always like this league he wanted me to play, and I thought he loved basketball. So we put together this skit where he was going to act, and he was going to become like the fourth ball brother, Little Dicky Ball, right, that nobody <laughs> ever paid attention to because he became – a super rapper, right? And then LeBar didn't love him because he was more into rap than he was into basketball. So I got a chance actually to spend like seven or eight hours with their family. And I saw the way they all kind of picked on LaMelo. Like all, now LaMelo was like a little runt at that time, right? Like he was just entering high school. Like he wasn't that guy. And like Lonzo used to bully him. Leandro like used to punk him all the time, like, you know, bodying him and stuff on the basketball court. And I thought to myself, the more and more I watched him play, like, you know, that's in that kid's DNA, right? Like, he's used to, like, and he's never stopped coming. So, yeah, you may get a little bit of the Chino Hills, California, like, the, the chain, and, like, he has had money since high school. But there is a little bit of a dog in him, too, now, where, like, he, he wants to compete. It may not be uh, the way that we're used to competing, but it's in there because it's been ingrained in him since you know, the beginning of time with his family. I, I, I'm just, I know Anthony Edwards seems like that's a better fit, but I did find myself on draft night wondering more and more like, man, like the kid does have potential, whether it pans out or not, that's a question, but his DNA does seem like it's destined to do something different. I mean, the one thing you're not really factoring in with Anthony Edwards is Ed Davis sets great screens. I, I will tell you. <laughs> Okay. Man, Hancho, you know, Hernandez Gomez, those guys, man, I'm telling you, those are franchise pillar guys. Sounds like I you were high on this Wolves club, <laughs> Jay. Well, very high on them. I gave them a C plus. I gave you guys a C plus as a grade. C's get degrees. Um, that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, the, that's the problem. That's my motto there, Jay. Well, that's, that's what we <laughs> you do. You passed. You passed. That's what counts, guys. You passed. All right, we'll, we'll take it. Jay, Will, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk again soon. See ya. All right, boys. Have a good day. All right, Jay Williams from uh, from uh, Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the new ESPN Radio Morning Show, which you can find on Score North Radio, five to nine a.m. here you in the Twin Cities. You down? Well, I have this high in the sky idea <laughs> of what the Wolves could be if right. everything pans out, and he's coming in from the outside, looking at all the other Western Conference teams correctly. I might add. By the way, the defending champions got better too. The Lakers got better. Yep. So. It'll be a, it'll be a two or three year process to even become relevant in the Western Conference, but we'll see. What Do happens. they have that long, or are they they going to be in Seattle or Vegas <laughs> by that time? That's the question. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because Glenn's going to sell change. the team, and Glenn's going to say you can't move the team, and the guy that buys the team or the person that buys the team is going to say, okay, I won't move it for two years. And then as they continue to reset and rebuild, they'll start to talk mm-hmm. to Seattle and Vegas and. Uh, like I mean, this this it is going to be a challenge. If they move to Vegas, I'm still a Wolves fan for sure. Maybe okay. even more of a Wolves fan. I think I Vegas, might move to Vegas with them. The the, <laughs> ol, the only thing that might stop them for sure is, is the fact that I bet the NBA will be smart enough to get the expansion check, right? Probably because you got to get that expansion check. Now Seattle might be a destination, but I'm telling you, the best thing that could happen if you're a Wolves fan is to have expansion or or different franchises move to Seattle and Vegas and you get shoved to the Eastern Conference. I don't think any of that's happening for at least three to five years, though. That's my I point. Th- three I don't years. Think they're expanding right I don't now. think they're expanding. Three years. But, I mean, if you're going to stink for th- three years beyond this, I mean, 
I'm just giving you I'm giving you something to look forward to, okay? And if they don't move. He was so close. Got to give you credit. No, I so got one. You got one. Oh, you I did. Almost, I almost got two. Yeah, he got two. Oh, I, I almost got two. One. Dude, where, he, he, this guy's on fire over yeah. here. So you had a good question. Yeah. For people that are new to this, uh, yes, we keep track of good question and good point standings. I'm going to Vegas. I have 22 on the season. You have 21. You would have tied me if he had finished because he said that's good. a good. Oh, well, yeah. it was. A, I gave him the long. I gave him the long wind. What's it all about, Jay? You were teeing him up. What's dude. it all about, Jay? Will you know what I think? Here's what I think happened. By the way, Phil, I'm at 22. Judd's at 21. Rami has nine, and he won't really get any opportunities the rest of the year. Jonathan had three. Declan with one. Cronin with one. I think part of the problem was so you gave him the great. It was a great question. Well, yeah, and, what's then, it all and, about? Then, and then you got him thinking. But then you you continued like talking after your question, which gave him time that. to think. And if you had ended the question without the because the first one actually to your point, when I got the great question, it was about four words. Correct. So I yeah. did give him a very hard out with that one to just take the, the question. The second and run. one, you gave him too much time to think, yeah. and he had already thought of his answer. So lesson learned there. Just if you're going to unleash the good question, just let it rip. But it was- but I couldn't do it because it was a thoughtful, like, what, like, Jay Will, you're so smart and you played pro ball, so you tell me. <laughs> I was trying to butter him up to get, because I knew he'd, he'd be like, oh, yeah, and it was so much different threw, back uh, in my day. You threw that Blackburn no sink fastball, 88 mile an hour gut ball right down the heart. And then he, and he threw it again, and he, he, ex- he accidentally popped he, it up. He telegraphed it a little yeah, bit yeah. on the second one. He popped it up. But it, it's still a, a great, great interview session for you. You've closed the gap to one. Ed Davis, baby. Ed Davis and Ricky Rubio. <laughs> he's going to go tell all of Messier's. his. He's going to go tell all of his colleagues at ESPN. Like, can you believe this idiot was trying to pitch Ed Davis as the franchise savior on Score North? <laughs> that's that's what Gerson did. <laughs> all right, quick pause. We'll catch up with our friend Randy in Cottage Grove, and then we'll catch up with our other friend Pat in Golden Valley as well. Football. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, you know, we got to bounce back quickly and and uh, get back on track. But um, uh, you know, there are positives to point to. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you don't win, you leave the stadium just feeling sick to your stomach. Yep, uh, that was a buzzkill loss for the Minnesota Vikings. And to help recap it, our friend Randy in Cottage Grove. How are you coping, Randy? Uh, who was that? Was that uh, was that Cousins? Yeah, that was Kirk Cousins, the starting quarterback. Yeah, he's a bozo. Okay, oh. uh, I'm gonna. I got a bone to pick with him. Uh, for, well, first of all, that game was a hose job by the by the zebras, hundred mm. percent. Some really bad calls in that game, but but Kirk, soon as it was done, saw a little little couple clips of you right out at the middle of the field. Smiling, laughing, little kind of patting, slapping ass with uh, with uh, Dalton. Get your head, get your head in the game. Why, why are you laughing and smiling? You're choking away the playoffs. You got zero, zero tough customer to you. You know none. Okay, so so that's the first thing. He 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 he's a bozo, Kirk. That, I, I'm hmm. very upset about that. That's not getting enough play. But don't you feel like? He had one of his best games of the season. I mean, the guy threw three touchdowns, and Justin Jefferson dropped a pass on the final possession. That kind of scared. I mean, I I've been critical of Kirk Cousins. Judd has too, but played a pretty good game on Sunday. Yeah, but he's laughing about a about a loss. You know, don't know that. You know, we we play uh, you know senior gold games. You know, stakes aren't quite as high as the NFL. 
but but if we if we have a tough loss with some bad you know bad umps, we're not laughing, we're cussing, we're we're, we're bitching, you know, we're, we're yelling the whole way to the parking lot, and then probably not even cracking cracking a couple of smiles until we're at the bar. So, it, you know, just just you want a quarterback who's who's got he says his six to his stomach didn't look like it. Looked like he was smiling and laughing. Randy, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know what? TB12 last night. What did he do? Walked right off that field. Not he's not happy. You're right because he's a he's a tough customer and he's he's the kind of guy who who won't take no for an answer as far as you're trying to get a victory. And, and so, it, you know, Kirk's laughing all the way to the bank is what I say. And 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 sooner they can figure out a way to, to trade his ass, cut his ass. I don't care. I'm over him. Didn't he just make the stud stable like two weeks ago? Well, I was trying to pump him up, and and, and it you know didn't apparently didn't work. The whole, uh, the, in fact, brought even more broadly than him. I'm oh, I'm out on on this squad. I'm I'm, I'm 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 gonna watch you know just because it's all part of the process for next year. But they're not they ain't gonna make the playoffs, and now they blew it as far as tanking for a stud. So great job. Now you know they'll they'll draft about twelve, and they'll take a cornerback. You know maybe the. Maybe it, maybe a, a young linebacker, some stupid pick, it, it, you know, it, yeah. Zim, Rick, the whole the whole squad. You know, take take a look in the mirror. You know, you're in the middle of the pack. That's a terrible place to be. You're a lot of duds here, Randy. I'm not. You know, I, I don't even want to talk about it. this. Is a, a festive week. You know, I, in fact, I had a stable for the Vikes. I'm I'm just going to throw it out. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the Vikes. I know. I don't even want to do it. I, I I got bigger things to focus on. All right. Well, we can you know we can just we can just regroup and you know we can we can say bye and maybe uh, talk to you next week if if you well, need, I, need a breather. I, I have a second stable. I, I do have a, a, a sort of a bonus stable. I was going to do after the Vikes, but now no. that you got me talking about the Vikes, I don't want to do that. I'll just go. I'll. I'll I, what I do have is a a stud stable for uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, very nice. Interesting. Okay. Oh, oh, all right. Uh, well, so, this is. You want me to do f- uh, food and beverage, or just food? Well, food and beverage. I think personally, I- I'd like to hear them both. I- I'd like to maybe you know make sure that we have we have time constraints yeah. here, so if we could just well, be let's, mindful. Let's just do the do that. Let's do the music, and I'll take it. Oh, through. sure. I like it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, this produce is, it uh, up, Randy. Produce it up. So, Randy in Cottage Grove, Thanksgiving stud stable. We get up in the morning, and I say we, but now it's. It's just me, obviously, but we're going to get up in the morning and and we'll start off with a couple Bloody Marys. We'll do a beef stick. We'll do a skewer with a cheese cube, cheddar, and pepper jack, mm. and, uh, and a pickle, and some olives. Oh, yeah. And I like to use the Zing Zang uh, mix, and then I add a little bit of Tabasco, just a splash of Wor- Worcestershire sauce, and then uh, a double shot of uh, of absolute pepper. Vodka, and that makes a great Bloody Mary. You got to do it with a little pony chaser of uh, high life, and that drink is a stud. Totally agree. The pepper jack mm-hmm. cheese makes. You're off drink. to a great start. Great after three cheese. or four, after three or four of those bloodies with the chaser, we start cooking. Oh, four? first thing I do, I do this the night before. I take out all the giblets and the stuff in the middle of the turkey, and I stick in a stick of butter. And I stick in the, the stuffing mix and uh, the sage. Got to have sage. And then uh, the number one secret is you heard of beer can chicken. I do two beers in the turkey right in there. 
stick it right in there. You pop that thing in the oven. It comes out. It is golden brown. And then they put more butter over the top and stick it back in for another 20 minutes. It's juicy. And it's a stud. Wow. Getting all hot and bothered over here. Oh, yeah. I like when the you beer take can, the man. stuffing out of the turkey. Excuse me? Nothing. I keep going. When you take the stuffing out of the turkey, you don't just serve it. You put it in a bowl. And then you put some Parmesan cheese over the top. And you stick that stuffing in the oven till that cheese crisps up to a golden brown. Wow. And then you put a little sprinkle of crushed hot red peppers on the top just to make people kind of keep on their toes. And that stuffing with the butter and the beer and the cheese and the peppers, it's a big, greasy, delicious, big side dish. And it's a stud. This is a lot for one person, Randy. This is very impressive for one guy. Excuse me, Jeff? I said it's very impressive for one guy. It's a tradition, okay? As we go around the table now, we've got some other side dishes, and these are some that you don't want to sleep on. I do a creamed corn, but I don't just serve it straight up. Put some heavy whipping cream in there, a couple of shakes of uh, garlic salt, Mm. and more of that Parmesan right over the top. I melt it, and it's great. It's a stud. Next thing, cranberries. A lot of people like to just serve cranberries straight out of the can. Not me. I like to take those cranberries and put them in a little thing called Jello. Oh, Jello, the, like, like a cherry flavored or strawberry flavored Jello with the cranberries, and then you put a little whipped cream over the top. It's a stud side there. That's a little mix of business and pleasure there, Randy. Finally, a lot of people think about Thanksgiving and they forget about the most important part of the meal, and that's bacon. I make three pounds of bacon, and I do it in the oven in a tray, and I cover it with brown sugar and a little squirt of sriracha sauce. Just Football. enough. Yeah, you know, just enough to make people kind of raise their eyebrows and say, Randy, this bacon's got a little bite to it, and it does. It really goes down nice. And if you bake it at about 425 for 20 minutes, it comes out crispy like meat candy, and it's a stud. Let's talk about pie. I'm here for this. Yeah, keep going. One of the things I like about pie is you can fit a lot of it in even if you're full, especially pies that are a little bit more on the the, the squishy consistency. Mm -hmm. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I do like pie. And one of the things a lot of people think about pie for Thanksgiving is, you know, your pecan, your pumpkin. I like to switch it up. I like to do banana cream. Oh, oh I love banana cream, oh, Randy. Rip, rip, do, rip and Kirk Cousins, come over with banana a cream on? pie. Randy and I are soulmates right now. If you do banana cream pie and you really put your time into it, it can be creamy and it can be great. One of the things I love about banana cream is you can squish it around the plate, kind of move it around a little bit. It's almost like ice cream in that sense. And you can eat a couple, two, three pieces. You know, it kind of fits between the cracks. And then the best part about Thanksgiving. When you've watched all the football, you've eaten all that food, and you're doing yag, you know, shots or whatever you oh, like to do all day. Need the yag shots for sure. You get, you get to the end of the night, and now you think, I couldn't possibly fit anything more in me. Nope. There's going to be more. I take a hunk of lefsa. I spread butter all over the inside of it. Yes. And then I put some of that turkey, yes. some of that stuffing, oh. some of that corn, roll it up like a burrito, put it in the oven for about 10 minutes on 300 it comes out like a like a like a thanksgiving burrito 
and I finish off with that as I'm as I'm you know getting my bringing my buzz in for a landing, and then you know turn on you know, whatever the highlights for the day, and just kind of watch the highlights of the three games that happened. It's the best, and, I, and I, I'm not I'm not even I'm not even having anyone over this year. It's just me, and it's going to be great. And the whole day Thanksgiving is a stud. Football. Randy? No. Nope. He, he hung up. He's, that's, he's, that's a wrap. He's starting his that's preparation it. You know right what? now. That's a wrap, huh? I'm full. <laughs> I'm, I'm aroused. I might have to go to the bathroom <laughs> right now. I'm full. I'll oh, see you guys. Goodness. What? Did he just say while well, he's bringing his buzz in for, for a landing? landing? For a landing. Yes. <laughs> now, here's that. my question. What does that even mean? <laughs> he's coming down. <laughs> No, it makes perfect sense. The buzz yeah. has been going all day long. But here's my question: That's one way. That's one way to, that's one way to say passing out, I guess. If yeah. you're doing if you're doing yeg shots, can oh. you land that? No, I think you just crash. Yeah, you crash my experience burn. with yeg is I I don't land. I crash. It's the you British jetliner in Die Hard Two. Yeah. Is what that is. Yeah, it's <laughs> three hundred people coming down with you. All right. Well, that was the Randy and Cottage Grove Thanksgiving Studs Table. I am honestly full. I'm not joking. You know the best Thanksgiving food I've ever had. Did you guys ever have when when um, Garage Logic was using this studio for years, and Rookie would come in every single Wednesday before Thanksgiving with his White Castle stuffing? No, that sound. Those are two of my favorite things, though. He would take a crave. Is it a crave case? A crave case. The twenty is, the, is uh, the thirty. The so he would take a crave case of White Castle sliders. No, my White Castle. Turn it into stuffing. Oh my. And bring it into the office. Dude, that's amazing. Was I ever here for this? I had to be. Yeah, you also don't interact been. with anyone in the hallway, so that's yeah. how you miss it. I don't remember any of this. See, if you play the game oh, a little bit in the hallway, no, you can get stuff no, like I don't. White I don't. You know what? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Do you know what I'd heard? I did not realize that this was a COVID-19 thing. But again, where COVID sort of intertwines with how, how I like to socially approach life. Right. 15-minute conversations are the cutoff, I guess. That's the key. Yes. Anything less than 15, you're probably fine. Yeah, yep. it's 15 minutes, by the way, over the course of 24 hours. Correct. Okay, this is... So it's even better for you. Is this not ideal? Yeah, you, you just have to... Uh, sorry, oh, man. Oh, I, I don't... Yeah. Oh, COVID. I don't want to catch COVID. COVID. But we're on a phone call. Sorry. sorry. COVID rules. COVID but rules. I mean, if you, if you run into somebody that you really don't want to talk to, there is now reason to be rude. It's true. It's it's like I can't. I'm sorry. I just got. I can't. Yeah. This is Judd Zolgad's dream here. I'm curious to see in like two years from now how much of COVID life will still be left over in terms of social norms. Yep. Like, will we be shaking hands with people? No. Are we going to be? Are are some people going to just wear masks on like you know public transportation everywhere? Yes, I can help you so far. Probably no on question one. We won't shake hands. Yes on masks. But think about the ideal life of like. Hey, look, your your story about your family, I, I love it, but we're at 13 minutes right now. So I you, got you to go. Get, you got to wrap this thing up. I yeah. got to go. You know what? Don't get into grandma. Yeah. So your your dying Can, aunt, I, I got about I 90 got, seconds here. Gotta, but, or, or I'm going to get sick. <laughs> like, literally, I could get sick. Like, these doctors keep giving me hope of what the new restrictions in life can be. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. So uh, thanks to Randy for giving us some new Thanksgiving food stud ideas. Let's, we'll, that actually sounded. Thanks, Speaking of men who love How Thanksgiving food and a good spread, let's wrap with our guy uh, Royce. Woo! 
Well, it's, it, we treat it you know, as a, as a one-game championship season. It's a rivalry game. It's a huge game. Records get thrown out the window. Uh, it's a one-game championship season against your, your biggest rival. Uh, and it's, you know, and there's four huge rivalries here at the University of Minnesota. Um, and Wisconsin's right up there. And, and this, is what's, this is what's fun about playing here. Row the boat, Scotty Mako Gophers! Patrick Royce, so uh, most important question going into Gophers, Wisconsin here. Do you like to throw the records out the window when you look at games like this? <laughs> well, I tell you, I know there's some speculation that Gophers might not want to play this game after uh, because of the COVID and all that stuff, uh, what's going on there. But after watching Wisconsin on Saturday, there's nothing to fear here. This is not a great Wisconsin team. They were god-awful against Northwestern. Graham Mertz, who's supposed to be the second coming and look like it against Illinois, was terrible. They have no running game, which is the first time since pre-Ron Dane. That's for sure. The go, you know, the Gophers obviously have trouble stopping everybody, but I don't think it's a walkover win for the Badgers from what I saw Saturday. I, I think this would be only Wisconsin's fourth game of the year, right? Didn't they play two and then yes. had two postponed, right? Yes. So I uh, yeah. I who are the who's it? Iowa. Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan traditionally. Who's the fourth big rival? That's what I was trying to figure out. I don't think it's Phil, North Dakota you know? State. I, mean, ne- ne- I don't know. Ne- Nebraska has a trophy, right? Are oh, they- did they start one? Well, I have one with Penn State, the old Arnie Carlson victory bell. But uh, they're not a big I rival, think, though. I don't. I don't think either of them. You know, transport. That was a stupid bribe. Why didn't you just get a little bell instead of this big stand that you got to move back and forth when you play each other once every five years? It's uh, it's, <laughs> it is uh, a pain in I the guess, ass. I guess maybe that's the one he was talking about. I don't know. Let's forget that one. Let's just like mothball that one and forget about <laughs> yes. it. Okay, that's not a rivalry. Yes. That's a, who cares? <laughs> How about them being owned five? Wow. Yeah, that is. They're he bad. is so damn lucky that this is a fanless year up there on top of the hill in uh, State College because the natives would be restless at Penn State. Absolutely. I, I think there's probably, Patrick, a 50-50 chance, though, that, that the gopher game gets played. I think there's a very good chance because they, they were missing they were missing 20 players against Purdue, but they wouldn't tell us how many COVID positives. Yes. So so my guess, my guess is that this was all a, a slow build to say, sorry, we can't go and play the Badgers. My guess is Bucky might have a very good chance of not playing. Now, what would have been fun, though, is if Wisconsin had beaten Northwestern, and then it really would have screwed them because if the Gophers didn't play Wisconsin in th- that game, the Badgers are ineligible for the Big Ten Championship game. That would have been fun. What I did think was sort of uh, humorous was that, uh, you know, P.J. couldn't get out the news of the 22 alleged uh, fast enough. But then yesterday he said, well, that was kind of overstated. <laughs> well, you were the one who overstated it, right? I, I don't know. We, we played without 22 guys. But they played, you know, they they played fine and uh, for their standards, or you know, they stink on defense. But as I said, Wisconsin, that's not a good, you know, they don't have Jonathan Taylor anymore. They uh, they got they got some white guy named Groshek, I you know, who, who's a two yard and a cloud of dust. You got a better, I think you got a better offense than Wisconsin. You might not have a better defense. Go play him if you can. That's for sure. Yeah, I think. 
So Pat, we uh, we we're we're now uh, we're over our twins timeout here. We gave them a, a, a several weeks to for mostly for me to just like be done being mad at them. Uh, and we started Twins Tuesdays today. We're going to bring up Twins topics every Tuesday. And uh, Mark Feinsand, who used to cover the Yankees for a long time, he's a, he's an insider at MLB.com. He said, with the Rays going through even more financial trouble than usual in a fanless 2020 season, that they are entertaining trade discussions for Blake Snell, 27 years old, former Cy Young Award winner. He's got three more years left in his contract at 11, 13, and 16 million dollars. Would you consider trading Royce Lewis or Alex Kirloff for three years of Blake Snell in his prime? Uh, I would. I'd be. I certainly wouldn't be afraid of uh, of his little bit of goofiness, but I might be afraid of his uh, his health. He's uh, missed some starts through the years, and uh, uh, I, I don't know if you have to go that high. You might be able to uh, give him a couple of the other guys, and uh, but I, I'd certainly take him. I guess. I I just I wonder. You know, there's so many great players that teams are trying to move right now. That I mean, Aaron, you know, Colorado wants to get rid of Arenado. Maybe have the Dodgers on the hook for that. But that's you know what I'd trade. I'd call up Denver and say, Josh Donaldson has three years left. Arenado's got nine, I believe. Right? I'll take Arenado. You can have Josh, and I'll throw in a prospect. Wow. I would 100% you know, does do that. Does J.D. have a no trade clause though in his contract? That would be my question. I don't think so. Because if you Dallas, could do that, I yeah. Because so. if no. you could do that, that would be very enticing. Yeah, he'd love to go to Denver and play and hit home runs. And there's, Hey, what is baseball waiting for? If the National League's going to have a DH, why don't they announce it? Because so it's baseball. Teams know, teams know whether they should go out and get one or not. Because they're mean, probably they, fighting about it right now. Well, why Seriously. would they not want it? The players would want it, for God's sakes. DH is making a lot more money than the 14th pitcher. It's the, the answer so, is the same. It's the same to the question of why would you hold your Gold Glove Award ceremony on election night and NFL trade deadline day? <laughs> I like, watched it. No okay, thought. back off. I watched that Gold Glove ceremony. <laughs> okay, but but what's I got to tell you guys? I, I was listening to uh, our station, I believe, yesterday uh, on one of the shows, and the the, the eternal debate was the same thing about baseball not promoting its stars like the NBA does. And these two guys, I, I don't know who they were, they were talking and saying they got, they got to do that, they got to promote stars. And I keep saying, LeBron James is on the court 80% of the time. Mike Trout is at the plate 12% of the time. Mm-hmm. It does not work. What are you going to do? Say, in order to promote our stars, we're going to let them bat uh, twice in each go-around of the batting order? Uh, what are you going to do? You can, you know, the, the idea that any sport can compete with the NBA for star power is idiotic. Even the NFL can't compete for it for star power. I mean, at least they got the quarterback on the field half the time. But, you know... The NBA has star power because there's only five of them out there. Mm-hmm. And one guy, you see every trip down the court. It's, uh, that's, you know, that's the appeal of the league. What people who think, you know, I'm sure baseball can do more. Yes. But the idea that they can somehow emulate uh, the NBA is idiotic. Batting first, right? Mike Trout. Batting second, 
Center fielder Mike Trout batting third, <laughs> playing center field Mike Trout with designated runners. Right? Yes, exactly, exactly right, exactly yeah. right. Tommy Olastella but, will pinch run for Mike Trout, who's now going to come up for the third time this inning. So what's uh, what you know your Twins topics? What's your prediction for a payroll? Uh, it'll go down. So it was it was what hundred one? It was going to be one forty. Yeah. It was one. It was going to be one forty all time record. I don't think it'll be much over a hundred. But they don't. They don't have much left. I mean, they don't have much on the books, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on like Rosario is nine or ten if they got rid of him. Nelson Cruz, obviously, he's off the books technically because he's a free agent. So they don't have. I don't think they have much more than a hundred. If they might have less than that on the books, it just depends because Odorizzi comes off the books. I think it goes below one twenty for sure. Yeah. Do you really? I think if uh, I'll tell you one thing. If if I think if Eddie gets tendered, if I was him, I'd get on a plane and come up here and sign that qualifying offer right now, would you? Yeah. I I, I think they're going to non-tender. I agree with that. And that's tough because, like, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. Is he worth? He's kind of roadblocking Kirilov, but 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 he also don't just want to. The guy drives in a hundred. He hits. He's yes. he can be clutch and streaky, and he can carry you for a month. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a tough situation, uh, but I I think as they're you know they look at Larnick, they look at uh, Kirilov, they say we got left-handed hitting outfielders, but me, I you know I we've talked about this before. I think there's a Kepler market. I think you can get something for Kepler, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be afraid to trade him. I would agree with that. With, with mm-hmm. those two other outfielders, I mean, you know. The fact that he was so rotten against lefties again last year makes it look like two years ago was the aberration because that's the only time he's ever hit lefties. And I don't know, he just gets, you know, he looks great for about four days. And uh, then all of a sudden you look in two weeks and he hadn't done anything. So that's a good contract I, I, to trade, too. Yeah, I think you'd get something for him. Teams would take that contract, you know, absolutely. Throw him in the Blake Snell trade. They'd probably like that. <laughs> hey, speaking of baseball marketing, I don't. Think, this has popped up on SportsCenter a couple times this morning. I don't know if you guys have seen it. The KBO celebrated its championship last night, the Korean Baseball Organization. Have you seen what their trophy is? No. It's a gigantic five-foot sword. It's That's it's great. it's literally. I wish I could pull a visual up here, but it's literally. Is the like, weather that much better? They must have played this whole thing in domes. I mean, Korea's north, right? Yeah, I don't know for sure. I don't know what the weather well, reports are. Yeah, I know that yeah. they they have they have several domed stadiums, but it's they, literally they must like have played the, the the World Series because I couldn't believe they were still playing. And I looked four thirty this morning. I always wanted to stay up and or get up, but I never then. When I did get up at four in the morning, I forgot it was being played. I never watched any of the games. It was fun. One host team didn't win the world championship, did they? Let's see here. Um, who did win? Did KBO with Sword, the heroes, I think. The NC Dinos. The NC Dinos won the championship, and okay. so all the all the players gathered around the mound, and then there was like this this little somehow I don't like a something like a stone or something with a silver handle sticking out of it, and one of the players walks up. It was like a movie. Walks up, grabs the handle, pulls it out of the case, and it's literally just it's it's like it's like a sword, a medieval sword you would see in a movie. Can you use it? And he and he and he turns around and it's like, oh my god, he's gonna, he's gonna behead the shortstop. 
You know, I, 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 a few years ago, I read this book about these guys and their search for this lost Mayan town in Honduras, you know, back deep back in the jungle. And they found this court back there, you know, the court for like a basketball game. But it was, I mean, you're talking ancient civilization, but they found enough archives to indicate that there would be two teams playing and that one team would, when a team lost, they had to have a human sacrifice. <laughs> one, of their, one of their players would be executed, but sometimes it was a particularly heartbreaking loss. They'd kill them all. No, so, uh, no you, you know, can't do that. that would be, I think that would be, I think we might have, I think like we might have, Tim, Timberwolves have folded. Heartbreaking <laughs> loss. In the truest sense. Is this, I think only, I, I don't know if, like, if they had playoffs. <laughs> You know, so I wouldn't want to be in the playoffs. Everybody got killed. We, 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 just... we, we might have found a new sponsored vent line segment every single week here. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> like the 98 Vikings. Book. Anderson missed. What should we do? We're going to have to kill them all. <laughs> Bring out the sword. <laughs> no, no, Brett, don't throw across your body. No. Man alive. That would be. Uh, I, I, I think the book's laying down at the condo. Next time I get down there, I'll have to get the yes. title of it. It's that would be a hell of a book. That would be they incentive not snakes. to screw up. They had these snakes, too, like these fleur de lis snakes. Like, if it even slithers past you, you die. It doesn't even have to bite you. If it's in the neighborhood, you're dead, you know. <laughs> So uh, all right. uh, these guys were down there. It's it was a hell of an idea, Pat. Track down the book. All right, Pat, we got to run. We'll talk to you tomorrow, all right? All right, gentlemen. All right, wrap with Roycey. Who's every... coming home from the bubble and who's not coming home? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just envisioning Vikings Ventland after that Cowboys loss. Just Coming up next, who doesn't get on the bus? You think Chris Jones would wish he made that tackle? <laughs> Justin Jefferson was having a great game until he dropped that pass. BC Johnson moves up the depth chart. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. uh, write that down, predictions, and an accountability session on tomorrow's show. And don't forget, Daily Vikings Discussions. On Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.